Let's uh, pray together. Father, we just uh, thank you for this time. We can come together and just to remember what's real in this world and what's important. And I pray we never take your grace for granted, that we will always be amazed by it, the incredible things that you've done for us. And I just pray that you will help us to keep perspective and focus in our lives and intentionality about the way that we live and that we will give our lives to you for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll uh, never forget the day I walked into a counseling office for the very first time. (laughs) There's been many times, by the way. And this was uh, before the time of Dr. Phil. So I have to admit I was pretty naive about the whole thing. And the therapist wanted to begin uh, by getting some family background on me. And so she asked me to describe the dysfunction in my family growing up. I had no idea about this stuff. And so I said, with all of the honesty that I had in the moment, there was no dysfunction in my family growing up. Now, you'd have thought that I just said the world was flat. The therapist shoots this look at me. Her eyes roll up in the back of her head, and it was like, okay, here we go again. I have to deal with another oblivious, middle-aged white man who has no clue. But the one thing that I did know for sure is that I had definitely given the wrong answer. So... The therapist, who is now talking to me like I was three, starts speaking real slow and says, Okay, tell me about your childhood. What did you do as a family? And the first thing that came to mind, as I said, Well, every Saturday we went to family day at the penitentiary to visit my brother. Oh, she says, you have a brother that was in the penitentiary. Now, this is like catnip for her. She's getting all excited. She's trying to like coax me through this point, helping me to see the error of my ways, but it didn't do any good because I was like, yeah, like, doesn't every family have somebody in the pen? Well, that was it. I mean, this lady had me exactly where she wanted me, and the floodgates opened, and all of my family dysfunction came pouring out. Everything from my alcoholic brother to my sister that's been on marriage eight or nine, I lose track. And then the icing on the cake was when she looked at me and she says, Oh, and your dad was a pastor? Yeah. Before I knew it, I was laying on the couch in the fetal position, looking for my blankie. It wasn't pretty. But I mean, you know, how do you know that your family is dysfunctional when that's all you know? Right? I mean, when you're in it, you think it's just normal life. And for me, that was just normal. Unfortunately... The same is true for a lot of us today, only this time now, the ball is in our court. Because as the adults in the home, we determine what's going to happen. 
We determine now that the home is going to be what we make it to be. And if it's dysfunctional, man, it's our fault. And when you're in it, what's going around you every day, the chaos, the tension, the arguing or whatever it is, just seems normal when all the while, without even knowing it, slowly your home has become dysfunctional. You don't even know what functional looks like anymore. Being a family is really, really hard work. I mean, I don't care who you are. It's hard enough to take care of yourself, let alone everybody else. And now you throw in a blended family or a disobedient, tough kid or a a single parent scenario, and it gets downright exhausting. It's hard. And many times you feel like you just want to give up. And when that happens, where do we turn? In this day and age, if our families are going to survive, then we're going to have to have something to inspire us, to change us into a family that can be great. Well, what's that look like? What's it look like to have a family that is healthy and functional. Well, good morning, y'all. I am here to uh, close out uh, a little series we've been doing called Home is What You Make It. And if you uh, haven't already figured it out, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the pastors here at Westridge. And um, I'm really not the greatest person to talk on this topic. Uh, I've been through a divorce myself, a failed marriage. Um, I've been a single parent. Uh, Neither of my two oldest boys attend church. So I can't sit up here and pretend to be able to tell you uh, that I got it all together. Because I don't. However... I thank God that he is the uh, God of second chances because he has blessed me with an amazing wife who's an amazing person and mom who has taught me a lot about life and love and parenting. And so we now have a blended family of six amazing kids who are uh, all very incredible and uh, we're working together best we can through the chaos Uh, to create uh, what we hope will be a healthy, functioning family. And in the midst of our chaos and everything that we've kind of been through, there's a couple simple things that I've really seen make a difference in our own home that I think can make a difference in everybody's home. It's a very couple, very simple concepts, but um, very profound, I think. And, and whether you've been married for decades and, you know, your kids are grown up and gone or newly married and you have young ones or remarried or single parents, it doesn't matter because these are some very simple principles that we tend to take for granted. But if we put into practice... I think that they can have an incredible impact on our families that will last forever. And so I'd like us uh, this morning to look at a text that was really written about uh, the church family and how it is that we deal with the family of the church, Uh, but it has great principles in it about how it is that we can deal with families at 
home, and that's found in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And I want to pick up on just two things um, in this verse that it lays out for us that I think can help to make a difference. And the first one I think is really important, which is this idea that we need to inspire our families. And that word inspire means that you speak into, you build into them, and you build something out of nothing, really. That you are inspiring greatness. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, But encourage one another daily, as long as we have the opportunity, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I think that we as parents can forget just how fragile our kids are. We can lose our patience. We become uh, overly harsh sometimes. We can actually shame our kids. And without even realizing it, we can have a negative impact on our kids that could leave scars for the rest of their lives. It's easy for us, I think, to fall into the trap of being overly critical of our kids to the point that they never hear any good stuff from us. Now, I want to stop real quick and just make a very important distinction that I'm not talking about not disciplining our children, because I think that discipline is a very important thing. I believe in good boundaries. I believe in our children being able to hear the word no. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about encouragement in the normal course of life. And so ask yourself, when is the last time that your kids heard that you were proud of them? that you think they're great. If you have a hard time remembering, chances are your relationship with your kid could use a little inspiration because there is nothing that causes a kid's personality to blossom and their little life to develop than loving, positive encouragement from parents that really mean it. And by the way, kids can see right through you and they know the truth. They know whether you're telling the truth and whether you really mean it or not and whether it's authentic. So it's also easy for those of us who are married to fall into the same pattern of being critical of our husband or our wife. We put our spouses down, quite frankly, way too much. And ask yourself, when is the last time you intentionally encouraged your husband or wife? Are you quick to point out all of the flaws, but never point out the good stuff? When's the last time you really tried to build them up? To put your own issues aside, your own challenges aside, and to really support them in the stuff that they face. If your first response is, well, when's the last time they encouraged me? Something's probably wrong. I have to tell you that I don't enjoy hanging out with people who are constantly criticizing and putting down their spouse. I really don't. And I'm not talking about, you know, having some honest conversations about issues in the marriage or whatever. I'm talking about people who are just constantly criticizing and putting down their spouse. And I'm not judging because I don't walk in their shoes, but it's just really painful and tiring to be around. I have a group of guys that I really enjoy being around because they speak highly of their wives. 
And even when their wives aren't around and we're just in private conversation, they just talk about how great they are. And you can just tell that they genuinely love their wives. And that's inspiring to be around because that's what I want in my relationship with my wife. In a 20-year study of 2,000 married couples, researchers uncovered one important predictive factor in determining which couples will have a happy, fulfilling marriage and which won't. The study showed that those that maintain a 5-to-1 ratio of positive to negative comments will have marriages that are more fulfilling and more positive. Positive interactions like complimenting and smiling and positive reinforcement and affection and touching and flirting with your husband or wife must outnumber the negative comments like sarcasms or put-downs or criticisms five to one. Five to one. Instead of looking to criticize and to cut down, which comes very naturally for a lot of us, we have to make a commitment to compliment and encourage and to build up. That we make a decision that, man, we're going to be our wife's cheerleader. We're going to be our husband's cheerleader. We're going to be their biggest fan, and we're going to really be there and get their back. I'm convinced that the quickest way to bury a marriage is by using a lot of little digs. Healthy families verbally inspire each other through encouragement. And when you look at that word encourage, the way that it's used in this text, that word encourage has the idea that we are to build up, to fortify, or to make strong the other person. I read a story a while back about a guy who was walking past a construction site and he was trying to figure out what it was that they were building. He saw a couple guys working on the site and so he goes up to one of the bricklayers and he asks him what it is that he's building. The guy goes, I don't know, buddy. I'm just trying to build this wall and get home. So then he walks around to the other side of the site, sees another guy who's laying bricks and he goes up to him and says, hey, can you tell me what it is that you're building? So the guy pops up, and he says, yeah, I'm building this great cathedral. And he whips out a picture out of the back of his pocket and opens it up and shows him and says, I'm building this. Isn't it incredible? I think that's a great image of how we can have a vision for building up our families. We can either choose to have an attitude that I'm just getting through it because I have to, I'm just waking up every morning just trying to survive, and we can never really see past the daily grind. Or we can say, God has given me this incredible gift, and I'm helping to build this family into something great. That I really have an intentionality about building something beautiful. And I can't think of anything that is better than encouragement to build each other up. And yet, for whatever reason, it couldn't be more difficult. I mean, for whatever reason, it is so hard for us to speak those words of encouragement, to say those nice things in an authentic way that's not sarcastic. 
Our kids, our wife, our husband, whether we admit it or not, are dying for our words of encouragement to know that they are accepted and that they're loved by you more than anything else. I also find it interesting that this verse makes a correlation between giving encouragement and overcoming sin. It says that we are to encourage each other daily, not every now and then, not just sometimes, but daily, so that we won't become hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. Isn't that interesting? I think that when encouragement is left out of a home, it opens the door for sin. Because when our husband or our wife or our kids aren't getting what they need from inside the home, they go and seek it out somewhere else, and usually it's in all the wrong places. I think that there's nothing greater that we can do for our families than to encourage each other in our faith and say, I will be your biggest fan. I'll be the one who will be there in the end cheering you across the finish line. The other principle I want to talk about real quickly is the idea of investing in our families for the long haul, a long-term investment. In verse 14, it says, We were created to live in Christ, and we need to hold on to our faith firmly to the very end. And I think it raises the question of what's like the point of everything that we're doing as a family. You know, I mean, when you look back generation after generation after generation of families, like what is the point of it all? What's the purpose? In the end, I think it has to be about something more than just raising good kids and having a solid marriage. That's like just par. But what does great look like? As parents, we have to figure out what it is that we want to invest in our kids. And if all we do is to teach our kids how to play sports well and get good grades, which is a great achievement, I'm not knocking that, but if that's all we do, then we've contributed nothing of eternal significance in their life. What have we done to teach them about making a difference in the world? And I think it looks different for everybody, what that looks like in your own home. I mean, in my home growing up, as kids, my dad loved to gather the kids around his recliner at night, and he would read from a devotional, and he would pray in his preacher voice, you know, and it was a very kind of a formal family devotional time. And that's just not the way I'm wired. For me, I cherish the little moments where it's informal, it's very casual, and I can instill values in my kids in a very natural way through natural conversation rather than preaching at them or lecturing them. And I I want what I teach my kids to flow out of my life and not just out of my mouth. I want to be able to talk about my mistakes, and I've made plenty. I want to be able to talk with my kids about my flaws, and I have several. I want to be able to speak honestly about how God has helped me through those things and my issues and the stuff in my life and what he's doing in my life. 
For instance, I flew back just yesterday from spending a few days with my son when I uh, took him to a concert. My son has now hit a very serious benchmark in his life. He's now seen his 60th Dave Matthews Band concert. It's a very important day. Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that he invited me because he wanted to hang out with me, really. He wanted me to bankroll the trip, which was fine. But I was able to spend some great time with him and talking with him about life and love. And through the course of conversation, we got to the idea of the concept of faith. And like I said, he's 28 years old, and I've really given up hope on him attending church because he doesn't attend church and he hasn't through his whole adult life. And I have to say that I was surprised through the course of the conversation to realize that his faith is really meaningful for him. Like he really took that seriously and he's now for the first time looking at attending church, <laughs> which really blew my mind. I was, I was shocked. I, I had really thought that I had blown it with him through all the mistakes that I'd made in my life and you know, he had a front row seat to all the junk in my life. And to see that in spite of my mistakes, in spite of my flaws, that this little seed of faith that I planted a long time ago is now finally starting to grow. Because I think that he's seen that through it all, I've consistently maintained my faith and my relationship with God and how important that is. When it comes to, you know, raising kids, I think the verse that means the most to me, the one that I hold on to the most, is out of Proverbs. And it's chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And I love that verse for two reasons. One is because it said, when it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and the Hebrew word there for the way literally means to show him or her the bend in the road. Isn't that cool? That it really has this idea that we're helping them to navigate the intricacies of life. All the stuff that we've been through, all the junk and all the mistakes that we've made, we're helping them to navigate through that and to point them on a path that helps them to find who they are in the way that God created them to be and find the person that God created them to be and to, and to follow the ways of this path to God. And I think it's important to remember that teaching our kids about God has little to do with religious teaching or instruction. It's much more about them being able to see our heart. It's about showing them how to have a relationship with Jesus that's authentic and real. It's not an informational thing. It's a relational thing. The other thing that's worth mentioning in that passage is when um, he says that if you raise your children in the way they should go, then when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, I hold on to that word old. It doesn't say that while they were young, while they're young, they won't depart from it, or that while they're kids growing up in your house, that they'll love going to church, or that if you have a relationship with God, that raising kids is going to be easy. It doesn't say any of that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's saying that you may never see the benefit of the foundation that you lay in their life in your lifetime, right? I mean, it may be that your child doesn't come to their senses until their hair is gray and you're long gone out of the picture. 
I think that when we look at having a vision for our kids, I think we have to look beyond the time in which we're in the picture. Right? We have to help them to stand on their own two feet, help them to understand how important it is to build their own faith, and help them to see that in their later years that they can have this relationship with God. I think that the other thing that that tells us in that passage is that we should never give up on our kids. I mean, a lot of us in this room have older kids uh, who don't go to church and who haven't developed a relationship with God. And a lot of us really have started going to church and become Christians later in life, so maybe even our kids didn't even grow up with that. And to realize that it's never too late, that it's still okay to sit down with your kids and just talk about how Jesus has changed your life. And, I mean, they've seen the junk in your life. They're not naive to it. And talk about how God has changed that and how important that is for you, I think, is so important that we can never, ever give up hope on our kids. The same holds true in our relationship with our husband or wife. If we're not investing in our marriage in such a way that helps us to both hold on to our faith until the very end, then chances are you're not going to have the kind of marriage that you really desire. I mean, I think that we need to inspire each other as husband and wife in our faith and to help each other to hold on. There is no person in this world who has more of an impact on me and who has more to do with strengthening my faith than my wife. I mean, when, when she encourages me, when she pushes me, when she calls me out of my stupidity, she makes me a better man. She wants the best for me, and she helps me through the tough times, through my own times of questioning and skepticism. And, and for my part, I never want to be the person to hold her back. I, I never want to be the person that will tear her down or to hold her back of, of doing something that she wants to do. I always want to be the man who is building her up and cheering her on to the finish line so that her life man, will be great. Because if her life is great, then mine's going to be pretty good too. (laughs) Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, everything else, everything is worthless compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And I think there just comes a point where we just have to say, you know, is, is this really, you know, all of us here are trying to figure it out, right? We're all on this journey trying to struggle through it and families are messy and marriages are messy and it's all hard and but this faith thing really is part of the equation. I mean it really is the equation I think in terms of getting that right because once that happens I think it changes everything else in, in life and if we truly want to invest in our families the most valuable thing that we can give them is this gift of faith. It really is. And just to put away all the junk in our marriages, all the past, and just to move on. Like, stop with the past and move on and say, I want us to be great. I want us to live in God together. Building a healthy family, I think, is no accident. I think it takes a whole lot of intentionality and a whole lot of work. It really is. And if we're trying out there to achieve, you know, to get money or success or really even just to survive the daily grind, then that's what we're going to leave behind. And quite frankly, it's not worth a hill of beans after we're dead and gone. 
but to leave behind a legacy of faith? To take our kids, to take our husband or our wife's hand and say, together, we're going to find our sense of purpose and mission, and we're going to walk together through this world in the ways of God, come hell or high water. That's something worthwhile. That's something different. That's something that on the last day that we spend on this earth, we'll have no regrets about. That is a home worth building.